0: I'm one fourth Uh. Cherokee.
1: (laughs) A short time ago,
0: an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. (laughs) Mr. Gorbachev teared down this. American people, I think, is good people. They are. They have not to charge with the guilty of all the lies.
1: Welcome back Here we to go. the Cold War. Yes. Episode hate mail. Um, <laughs> what? We are expecting all the hate mail for these right. uh, this episode of the next yes. uh, half a dozen episodes. Yes, should we? Why are we expecting all the hate mail? Right. Well,
0: because we know that everyone is equally. No matter your religion, nationality, color, sexual orientation, everyone is equally full of shit. Everybody lies. Everybody spins. Everybody uses propaganda. There is no pure victims. There is no. It just doesn't work that way. And so when we get into this, we're going to call it like we see it. And, if again, if you could direct all the hate mail towards Cam,
1: that would be much appreciated. Oh, they do. <laughs> they do. Operation Hate Mail. That's what it's called in my notes. <laughs> by which I mean we're going to be talking about Israel. Yes. Yes. Uh, on 14th of May, 1940. Forty-eight, David Ben Gurion, the head of the Jewish Agency. Right. The, what, what the fuck
0: was that? Sorry, what, I thought I might turn my. What are you? You you're th- getting
1: text messages
0: <laughs> from your girlfriend in the middle of my opening? Exney on the. Hold on, girlfriend, er, gay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, please continue.
1: Yeah, the head of the Jewish Agency, <laughs> which was the operative branch of the World Zionist. Organization right. proclaimed the establishment of the state of Israel. President uh, Harry Truman recognised the new nation on the same day. Wow, FedEx. Now, although you may not often think of Israel as being a big part of the Cold War, right? It. Certainly has played a huge role in American foreign policy, in, in oh, the yes. in the story of the middle east and and oil and oil, of course, is a huge part of the Cold War story because the Cold War is all about economics. Mm-hmm. And so and oil is is the centerpiece of you know late twentieth century economics. Israel is a, a very important part of the story. we need to talk about the creation of Israel. And of course, in order to do that, we're going to do it Ray and Cam style. We're going to go way, way back. Right. I've got 2,000 years ago. Year, well. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, oh, I had <laughs> 3,000 BCE. <laughs> All right. A nomadic, group of nomadic tribes without a land. Right. Said, we need to, they brought in Barry and Stan, and they said, we need a brand. <laughs> we can't keep calling ourselves the people who no one likes. Right. Come up with a name for us. <laughs> And he said, we'll call you the Jews.
0: All right. Wonderful. Will people like us now? No.
1: Mm -hmm. No. But they'll know what to call you. Yeah. We're we're geniuses, but come on, (laughs) on. we can't. We can't do that. (laughs) Right. Um, uh, Miracle workers. uh, yeah. <laughs> no, we're not going to go back quite that far, but we are going to go back uh, and tell the story of Zionism, I guess. Is in order to understand the creation of Israel, the state of Israel in 1948, you need to understand Zionism. But look, I'm going to start this with a warning. All right. If you are a proud Israelite, and I know we have a lot of Israeli listeners oh, yes. to the show. Oh, yes. If you're if you're a proud Israelite, or if you're one of those people not not a Jew but who uh, or, or an Israeli, uh, but who equates any criticism of Israel right. or any criticism of Jewish people uh, as anti-Semitism, and that upsets you, right. just you may not yeah. want to listen to the next few episodes. Right. Now, like like America or Russia. Or England, or Australia, or, or New Zealand. Well, actually, probably New Zealand. I think New Zealand are blameless, but any other country <laughs> you ever want to mention, right. France. Yeah. Anyway, Israel's done its fair share of shit, and 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 the the Israeli people, including the Zionists, mm-hmm. did their fair share of shit. Right. Now, uh, I personally don't think it is anti-Semitic to say there are some Jewish people and some Israeli people that have done some shitty things. Yeah. Uh, as as it's not anti-American to say that there's some American people uh, and government leaders that have done some shitty things. Right. People do shitty things. Yes. Uh, it, it becomes anti-Semitic when you say all Jews. Right. are uh, Whatever. Blanket non-trustworthy. Statements. Exactly. All, all, yes. Or exactly. all, all Americans at this. All that. I don't think that anyone who thinks I think that obviously isn't paying attention yeah. but listen we 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 we're going to have we're going to have to say some uh, pretty critical things about some of the uh, fa- founding fathers of the zionist movement mm-hmm. and the jews and some early jewish settlers into palestine all that kind of stuff yeah. but we're going to be as fair as 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 we can right. there's plenty of blame to go around oh on yes. Oh sides in this mess but you know i have gotten into this in email conversations with some of our Jewish listeners over the years And some of them have got really, really upset right. And uh, stopped listening to our shows Because I didn't agree with them on certain things uh, And that's their prerogative Yeah you know, You're, you're free, free to not listen uh, that's, right. I get it, that's yeah. fine you, you choose what you listen to, what you don't listen to Freedom of the ears Gotcha mm. But we're going to do it anyway um, yeah. Now, in 1915, uh, we're going to start there. We're going to jump around, but I'm going to start in 1915 to tell this story. Using their in uh, 1915, using their usual divide and conquer strategy, right? The British promised the Arabs an independent state. Mm-hmm. If anyone's seen uh, Lawrence of Arabia, one of my favourite films. Right. Uh, That was part of that. Uh, they, They promised them an independent state in order to help create an Arab rebellion against the Ottoman Empire. Yes. Then, in 1917, Arthur Balfour, Britain's Secretary of State for Foreign Affairs, at the time pledged support for a Jewish homeland in... Palestine, Mm -hmm. which at the time was home to something like 800,000 people, uh, about 65,000 of them already at that stage were Jews. The other three quarters of a million were Arabs, Muslims. Right. Some Christians thrown in there as well. Yeah. Now, uh, that's been described, that promising by Balfour of a Jewish homeland, Mm -hmm. has been described by some people as one nation promising another nation to the land of a third nation. Ooh, I like that. Um, Let me say that again. It's been described as one nation promising another nation the land of a third nation. Uh, Then at Versailles at the Paris Peace Conference in 1919, Mm -hmm. the uh, League of Nations... League of Nations, uh, ratified the Balfour Declaration. Right. And they gave Great Britain a mandate over Palestine. We talked about this on our uh, Syrian Civil War series. I think we went into a lot of detail Mm -hmm. about the French mandate over the northern part of Syria, the Great Britain's mandate over the southern part of Syria, which included Palestine. Right. And then in 1922, the U.S. Congress also ratified the Balfour Declaration. Mm. Um, and, and that's kind of uh, how it kicked off in a big way, but um, we have to explain the story about why all of that happened in the first place. Right. Ray, op- uh, opening statements from the uh, Defence Oh, uh, absolutely. And, and just everybody
0: keep in ma- keep in mind that in, um, say, 1920 or whatever, Britain was still maybe not completely at its height, but it's certainly one of the world power. So it was a big deal for Britain to be getting behind this. No, I was just going to go. I was going to. This is for Tony Kindeston. I was going to go back 2000 years and just try to give mm-hmm. a personal narrative or a personal approach to this. So for the last 2000 years, um, From the time of the Christianization of Rome and especially after the rise of the feudal social order in Europe and the spread of Islam, Jews in the Mediterranean have been confined as non-combative classes. Um, back in the But, but in the nineteenth century, a small percentage of them began enlisting in the armies of whatever nations that they 're in to show their loyalty to become more active citizens but generally non combative was their state, and as we 're going to see, there were a, a, a rise of a lot of programs where Jews were being slaughtered by the thousands. And just to end, just to wrap up with this, because it's going to show the change that's needed, the change that is coming for the Jews, there was a young man named Chaim Bialik who wrote a poem called The City of Slaughter. And in his poem, he talks about the killers, he talks about the rioters, but he saves his true wrath for the cowardly Jews. He says, they didn't do anything, they didn't resist, all they did was run and hide. And where was God? God was silent. So what is needed is a different kind of Jew. So after 2,000 years of pacifism, of of being butchered, some of these people, some of these leaders, or people who become leaders start to think, you know what, I think it's time for us to try something different because this is not working. That's going to be done on a personal level, and it's going to be done on an international level.
1: Mm. I remember... um Fifteen uh, not, well uh, no. Two thousand and eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, eleven years ago when I was at the infamous Napoleon non <laughs> Napoleonic. Yeah, let's go with that. Sure. The Napoleonic conference in uh, Ajaccio where I met Chrissy. Right. The David best, Markham was running this thing. Best day her <clears throat>
0: life. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, technically, about two days later was the best day of her life, but uh, anyway, uh, that first night, uh, re- instead of sitting with her, she was down the other end of the table. I was sitting with a bunch of um, Israeli historians, oh, cool, in their, in their 80s, uh, yeah. um, oh, wow, uh, that, that's neat. that were there for the conference, right. yeah, and you know, being being who I yeah. am, uh. <laughs> Uh, my first question to, them, to, uh, to these 85 uh, year old Israeli so, historians yeah. as we sit down to dinner is like, So, explain anti Semitism to me, would you?
0: <laughs> uh, even before the uh, the food was out, you had gotten started. Oh, before we yeah. even ordered. Oh I'm like,
1: Explain anti Semitism to me as an 85 year old Israeli yeah, historian. Explain right. anti Semitism to me. This is the one shot I'm going to get. Yes. <clears throat> to get somebody of your right. vintage and experience to explain to me. And, and they that was the next two or three hours is wow. uh, them talking to me about anti-Semitism, and it was fantastic. Right. Uh, really uh, opened my eyes because it was, at that point, something I hadn't really spent yeah. much time reading up on. Why should you? Yeah, You know, I'd, I'd read about World War Two. I'd read about some Russian history. I knew about the pogroms. Um, I knew about the Holocaust, but I didn't really understand why did people not like the Jews so much. Right. So, I mean, for people who like, I'll give you the quick version of it. I guess Um, uh, when the Jews got kicked out of uh, Judea, Mm -hmm. and it's actually the more places than Judea, but yeah, they got kicked out of. Palestine, the Middle East, uh, a couple of times, you know, they they revolted against the Romans a couple yeah, of times in the first, right. first and second century yeah. CE, um, the first big Jewish-Roman war ran from sort of 66 to 70 CE, uh, they didn't really get kicked out after that, a lot of them got killed by their own people, mm. a, a lot of them uh, the, by the zealots. Then they had the Bar Kokhba revolt. I think that was around 135. 132 um, to 136. Right. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Ray. Sure. Uh, where Simon Bar Kokhba, mm-hmm. they thought he was the Messiah. Mm-mm. I'm the <coughs> Messiah. Let's go. We will destroy the Romans. <laughs> um, he died in 135. Yes, That's why did. 135 is in my head. Right. Um, that, that didn't go well. No. No. Um and, and, and a lot of them were sort of kicked out of uh Rome then. Uh, sorry, out of Judea mm-hmm. then. Um and then as you say, then the Christians came along and treated them pretty uh, harshly as well. But basically mm-hmm. you ended up with a a, a world they see so the Jews weren't really liked uh, uh uh after these revolts by the Romans, generally right. speaking. Like how dare you uh, uh rebel against us. Yeah. We're the Romans. The we brought you, yeah, yeah. We, we brought you irrigation roads. Yeah. What have the Romans right. ever done for yeah. us? That kind of thing, right? Right. Yeah. Well, they did do that. Yeah. So uh, the Romans didn't like them very much for for rebelling against them, and uh, by the by the Christianization of the empire, which happened in the late three hundreds, early four hundreds, which we talked about in great detail. On the early episodes of the, the Renaissance series, if you haven't heard that, go listen to that. And if you want 20 episodes of uh, uh, the Christianization of Rome... Yeah, you do. Um, <laughs> obviously, the Christians didn't like the Jews because they thought the Jews had killed Jesus. Right. Even though, technically, if they'd read the Bible, <laughs> they would have seen that it was the Romans that killed Jesus. right. Uh, yeah, but it was the Jews that asked them to do it. Well, yeah, but why did they ask him to do it? Because he said he was the king of the Jews, which was basically a political rebellion against the Romans. But anyway, the Jews copped the blame for it anyway. I think it's a a little bit of... um, Uh, Ancestor guilt On behalf of the Christians Like the Jews were here before us They were God's chosen people But then he abandoned them uh, For us So we should kind of uh, Treat them poorly Because well, if it's good enough for God It's good enough for us Right Right. Um, To be God-like God Well, yes, exactly If if it's good enough for God To treat them like shit Then we should treat them like shit too So this So, uh, of course Europe then uh, Mostly uh, Christian uh, from that, from sort of four hundred on, and they treat they treat the Jews very poorly. Wherever the Jews go, they're treated as uh, basically uh, immigrants that nobody likes. Right. And as a result, they're not allowed to own uh, agricultural lands. A- agriculture being the main source of profit, uh, right. the ability to earn a living through most of the Middle Ages is you tilled the soil. Yeah. Jews weren't allowed to own land in most places in Europe, so they were forced to take what we would think of today as white-collar jobs. They became ah, bankers, right. they became lawyers, artisans. they became yeah, some yeah artisans, mm-hmm. and f- from time to time, particularly as, as we get into the late Middle Ages, they made a lot of money. Out of those yeah, professions, and then people hated them because they had money, right. and they would start buy, buying up land right. and buying buying up things. People would go, "Oh, the fucking Jews!" Thought we got, yeah. you know, we pushed you into the corner. Then you you did well out of that corner, right? And then we're like, "Fucking Jews!" You know, they're, they're just coming at us wherever we put them. So there was there was success. we talked about this recently on the Renaissance Show, mm-hmm. uh, there, there were these ideas of blood libel. The stories went around that Jews. Like to use, had to use human blood, right. to make their matzah, oh, their their flatbread, right. yeah, uh, for uh, Hanukkah, Hanukkah, one of those. And uh, then there were stories that they they preferred to use the blood of uh, Gentiles and Gentile children. So if anyone died around about Hanukkah, there they'd go, Oh, look, it's the, the Jews that killed them to put their blood in the bread, and there'd be a Was mass slaughter of Jews, all their property'd be taken. They'd go back to zero in that city and have to start all over again. uh, When they finally were allowed to come back a few years later, so this went on right across Europe, right across the world in various stages. They weren't always treated like that, but it it, it happened on a regular, fairly regular basis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And and look, it didn't help too. And you know, to to you know, uh, to be fair. They were running. Whenever you run around saying that we're we're God's chosen people, yeah, that's, that's a target. You're making yourself a target. Yeah, yeah. Now that said, all religions, all religions say that the Muslims think they're they got the right religion. Christians think that they're God's chosen people. The best as well. everyone. They all <laughs> best Jerry the best. <laughs> everyone thinks they're God's chosen right. people. We have to kind of um, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but the Jew, but the Jews started it. Oh, yeah. You know, as as we know, the Greco-Roman religions didn't have chosen people. They had a whole pantheon of gods. Yeah. They're like, hey, we, yeah, we, yeah, we, we worship all the gods, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the Jews are like, No. Nah, there's only one and he loves us, yeah. fuck all y'all, yeah. uh, we're the best. Right. So they kind of painted a target on themselves for that initially. But eventually all of the Yahvehian religions, including the Muslims that came along in the 600s and said, no, 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 we're, we're yeah. the real um, Yahweh <laughs> real religion deal. now. Right. We're all Yahveh's religion. Um, yeah, the Jews kind of uh, didn't get v- treated very well by the Muslims either. So this this uh, this this has been going on for two thousand years. No one liked the Jews. They weren't allowed to have any land. They weren't allowed to fight. And they and and part of it is after the sort of Bar Kokhba revolt, um, they they never really fought back. In any great right. uh, manner. They just got kicked. They weren't ever really unified. They got kicked around, beaten up, yeah. sat on. So they developed this reputation, I think, it, within their own culture as well as the way they were viewed externally, mm-hmm. as being weaklings, puny, easy. Like, you kick sand in their face down at the <laughs> beach and, and take their girlfriend because they're not going to do anything. <laughs> right. Um this had gone on for thousands of years. Yeah. Anyone could beat up. No, they had no one was looking after them. No one had their back. No one was going to protect them. Um, they basically got treated like shit yeah. for thousands of years, and they just took it.
0: Yeah, even the Amish so that's, on a Friday night uh, would would rough them up. You know, get out of their buggy. <laughs> you know, rough them up a yeah. little, and jump back in, and, get ya, and and laugh yeah. the whole way home. So you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Even how
1: Gandhi. <laughs> Gandhi used to get off and kick him in the nuts.
0: Yeah, I can't do Indian. And I shouldn't do Indian. So anyway,
1: even Gandhi was... More uh, more to the point. It's my job. If anyone's going to do offensive accents on the show, (laughs) it's my job. And then
0: Mother Teresa would come and kick their dog and walk away.
1: Yeah. Mm. But so it it goes way back. Right. Part of it is the Christian uh, hatred of them because of the whole Jesus thing. Um, and part of it is that uh, well, that's yeah, they just they were people without a land, um, and and everywhere everywhere people kicked them, they did well for themselves, and that used to piss people right. Off. So they kicked them because they were because yeah. they were industrious and they were survivors, and they were like we're not gonna we're not gonna let this get us down. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna survive. We're gonna do well. We're gonna hunker down. But they never worked the land, and this, this plays a, a big role in what happens later in Palestine as well. Good
0: point. And they were now, I just have, I to, I just have to say real quick, they mm. were pulling a Gandhi way before Gandhi. Just passive resistance, live and let live, stick to your own, and just take it and go on. And like you said, a lot of times that worked, sometimes it didn't, and they would just hope it wouldn't happen again. And of course, it is going to happen again. And certainly when you get into the late 19th and early 20th centuries, it takes on a whole new level, but we'll get to that later.
1: Mm, yeah, I mean it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't new, but it yeah, was maybe not a new yet. level, right? Um, and and part of the reason why they hung on, obviously, is they believed that Yahweh had promised them that one day right. he was going to send the Messiah, right? And it, it would all be good. And they had been waiting for this for three thousand years at this point in the nineteenth twentieth century. Uh, hanging on, they're hanging in there. One day. Yahweh is gonna see right. <laughs> one day, <laughs> one day we're gonna get this Jew thing right. I mean, because they, they 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 believed yeah. that the reason Yahweh hadn't sent the Messiah is because they weren't being good enough Jews. Ah, eventually, it would happen. So it's kind of this almost almost like well, we deserve everything that's happening to us. Right? If we were good Victims. Jews, Yahweh oh. would send the Messiah right. who. For people who haven't heard me drone on about this enough in the last five years, um, was most of them thought the Messiah would be a, a huge warrior king, yeah. not huge as in five hundred feet tall. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't uh, you know a, a um, Decepticon Hippie. or something like that. Right. <laughs> he hey, he was going to be a powerful yeah. warrior king. Yeah, um, just a man, <laughs> not not. Not a superhero, not, um, you know, uh, right. uh, uh, no magical powers Spiritual. like Jesus, just, just a man. Yeah. But he'd be like King David. He'd be this great warrior yeah. who would come to feed all of their enemies and put them back on top. But God wasn't going to do that until the Jews were being good Jews. and And obviously he hadn't done that, so ipso facto they mustn't be good Jews. So ipso facto they deserve everything ah. that happens to them. So they take it. Because... Yeah. Yeah, they take it. Thank you, God. Thank you for. Yeah, getting. Yeah, pogroms were basically God's way of uh, spanking them. I'm here. Anyway, (laughs) let's move on with the story. We'll be here all day. In the early years um, of the 20th century, I want to point out that European Jews, looking to relocate, typically went to the United States, not to Palestine. Right. Um, you know, you might think that, uh, all Jews just were sitting around going, oh, if only I could get back to Palestine, that, that's where, <laughs> uh, that's sweet. where the good shit is. Yeah. Sweet land of milk and honey. Right. That's where we no want to be, there. baby. Yeah. Just waiting for yeah. me. Milk, honey, yeah. bit of coffee, milk, honey, and coffee. You got to uh, tea. dollop of sugar. be good too. If I may. Yeah. yeah. No, that's what the honey's oh, for. Oh, You don't need oh, sugar sorry. if you've got I'm the I'm an American. Honey. I apologize. Yeah. Sorry, natural sweet right, only about three percent of European Jews emigrated to Palestine prior to the 1930s sixty eight percent roughly two and a half million mm-hmm. went to the united States, right
0: Can I just throw in here real quick because this is the one thing I could not wrap my head, or head around because i obviously i'm not a non believer, but the vast majority were like. We'll go back to Palestine when God sends us to Palestine. We can't of ourselves choose to go back. And so I was reading that's why a lot of them would go to the United States or other places. They wouldn't go to Palestine. We'll go when God sends us, but we won't go of our own accord. And so then later when others come, they're going to go, no, no, we're going to be a little more proactive. That was actually a big deal. Now, again, that might just sound I don't know how that sounds, but I just found that so strange. I want to go back. We've been trying to go back for 2,000 years. I have to leave Russia because all well, the people people are being killed. But I'm not going to choose to go to Palestine. I'm going to wait for God to send me or send me a sign. So I'm going to go to the United States. I just had a real hard mm. time with that, just that passiveness.
1: Well, I wake up one day and there's a plane ticket right. or, or, or a ship right. ticket. Woo. That's glowing. Smells Ooh. faintly of God. You oh. go, you pick it up. You go. Ooh, <laughs> that smells a bit. It's goddish. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. smells a bit God-ish. Um, Then I will go. Right. Until then, no. Okay. So yeah, most of them were going to the U.S. Hundreds of thousands of them were also going to South America, Australia, Canada, Canada yeah. South Africa, Western Europe, uh, the the United Kingdom. Uh, But then Jewish immigration to the U.S. was restricted. in the early nineteen twenties, when you brought in your immigration acts of nineteen twenty-one and nineteen twenty-four. Right. This gets back to what we've talked about on this show, I think, and red scares, and we don't want the commies coming in. Russian Revolution, nineteen seventeen. Oh, the commies are coming. Right. We we don't want these. they're uh,
0: They're still commies.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, a lot of the Jews were commies. exactly because they're coming from Russia, and they yeah, and they they didn't want uh, commie Jews coming into the country, <laughs> so they, it was stopped. What they were? No, they were. That's exactly what they, thought. <laughs> they were. They were yeah. a lot of the communists. About half uh, of the leading uh, Russian communists were Jews, and and communism. I was reading about this in Archie Brown's book on communism just recently. Um, Jews were massively overrepresented in communism, ah. and he says one of the main reasons for it is it, it was the only group that would have them.
0: Good like point.
1: You, 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 there were all of these nationalist movements, um, uh, and and uh, you know particularly in the 19th century, you know people where people started after the French Revolution and this idea of nationalism started building. Mm-hmm. You know we. We're gonna we're gonna create a single Italy. We're gonna create a single Germany. We're gonna do all this stuff. There's right. none of that for the Jews. They, There's nowhere to go. They, they needed a club. Everyone yeah. needs a club. Where what club? What club can we be part of? Well, <laughs> the communists will have you. Uh, yeah. Marx was kind of a Jew. Jewy. Um, right. <laughs> sorry. A, a self-hating anti-Semitic Jew, maybe, but he was uh, a Jew at some level. Right. Um, but yeah, lots of lots of lots of um, the uh, early Russian communist leaders were Jews, and lots of Jews joined communism. Um, and then, obviously, a little bit later on, the communists were the main people trying to fight the fascists, and the fascists hated the Jews, and so that also made a lot of sense ah. for the Jews to be part of. Um, yeah, uh, but anyway, uh, so getting back to people fleeing. Mm-hmm. They were going to the United States until the U.S. curbed uh, immigration. Then in the 1930s, a lot of Jews who were fleeing the Nazis ended up going to Palestine. And as we'll see over the course of the next few episodes, that created a lot of problems in Palestine, and we'll get into the details of that. There was a lot of, a lot of tension started to grow between the Arabs, mostly Muslims, some Christians there, uh, and the Jews. Basically, the Jewish population climbed from, I don't know, 30, 50, 60,000 in the late 19th, early 20th century to over half a million wow. people. Yeah, And they started buying up all of the land uh, with the support uh, quite often of uh, wealthy foreign Jews, the Rothschilds and people like that um, who were Zionists. And, uh, and kicking the Arabs, the Palestinians, the Muslims, off the land. Yeah, People Poor away. peasants who had worked this land for centuries right. getting kicked off the land uh, for a variety of reasons, not allowed to work it, not allowed to own it. They basically become the new Jews. Right. Uh, the, the, the Jews turn the Arabs into the new Jews, and uh, no, they mercy. didn't like it any more than the Jews exactly. like being Jews. They go, "You don't like being Jews. We don't like being <laughs> the new Jews." Yeah. <laughs> I, I do want to say,
0: um, you're absolutely right. But what, and uh, you're, we're probably going to get to this later. But I just. I didn't know this because a lot of these Arabs are working the land, a lot, a lot of them own the land, but for the last hundred years or so, these, these lands are being bought up by city people, by by uh, people that work for the Ottoman Empire because they've got the better jobs, the better paying jobs so it gets to the point where the, where the Arabs are no more than tenant farmers on lands their family used to own and now the Jews are coming along and straightway kicking them off they're like, we don't care where you go, you just have to leave now, we own this because I bought it from your boss who all cares about is making money. And so, yeah, how is that not going to create resentment? And so it's going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, it's just going to get really ugly really fast. And a lot of people saw this coming. Some people were hoping to avoid it, but it's just human nature. When you piss off people like that on a very personal level, it's going to come back and bite you in the ass.
1: And all of this started happening before the Holocaust. Absolutely. Uh, this, yes. this is happening in the late 19th and, and early 20th century, as we will go into in detail. Yeah. So anyway, violence started breaking out almost from day one when the Jews arrived in massive numbers in Palestine in the late 19th century. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of the Americans in the 20th century, uh, Roosevelt kind of uh, was all over the place yeah. in terms of his support for the oh, Jewish home. A lot of positive words. A lot of positive words. yeah. Yeah, a lot of lot of negative words too. A right. um, little bit of an anti semite Roosevelt, as oh come on, honestly, he had to be. Look where he was born. Most, yeah. well, most, most, and this is something that doesn't get talked about enough. Most people uh, were anti semitic yeah. in the nineteenth and early twentieth century until the Holocaust happened. Then it's and then when people go, yeah, oh, oh shit, awkward. we better cut out that anti-Semitism. Like, I mean, yeah. Well, that is that escalated quickly. <laughs> uh, Let me—if two thousand years is quickly. <laughs> Let uh, me ask
0: a question, yeah. and I'm not being as flippant as I sound. I think, to a certain degree, we, we were talking about them being blamed for. Um, Uh, You know, killing, getting Jesus killed, or killing Jesus, and at one point their religion is bothering um, people, and at one point they won't convert because they're being stubborn and prideful, which is a sin. And a lot of people just thought the Jews themselves were bad people, inferior, and so that's why they they should be hated. But when you get to people like FDR. And I know we we've already covered that a lot of people in his State Department and Truman's State Department were anti antisemites. Um, you get the sense that it's on some level—not that it's uh, the controlling thing—but on some level, it's it's fashionable. If you are of a certain socioeconomic level, that's just part of y- your group's mentality.
1: Well, I mean, it'd been fashionable for right, thousands, right? Right. So it's I mean, completely acceptable.
0: Yeah, and in fact, I guess yeah. my point is, it would be odd, like if someone. Was to say, no, I I think they're great people. Uh, I have them over to my house all the time. Love them. Hope my daughter marries one. I mean, just no one's going around saying that. You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. It's just so accepted. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Well, it's it, it's very similar to the way that uh, Africans were seen by uh, Americans and most people around the world. You, you, you're um less developed in the views of the people of the right. time uh, less human. races yeah yeah less human yeah. um they they were treated as subhumans the jews were thought of by lots of christians around the world oh, yes. uh, as subhuman not really as good as uh, white people and uh they they were treated as such they were treated as uh you know, a different race, a different class, mm-hmm. a, a, an inferior class. Right. Thought of as that way as well. Respected uh, in some ways for their uh, ability to make money. Right. Um, you know, no, no matter what we throw at them, they keep making keep money. Keep bouncing these people. back,
0: and, yeah. And they have skills. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. um But uh, still seen as uh, less than. Absolutely. You know, which is the essence of racism is when you think an entire race... right is inferior. That's exactly how Jews were seen by most people. Right. For thousands of years, most people around the world saw Jews as being inferior. I just have
0: to ask real quick from your readings, because I'm sure you did a lot more reading than I, if you were able to inject a Jew with truth serum, and I even feel uncomfortable saying Jew, if you inject a Jew with truth serum and you ask them, do you feel that you're better than all those non-Jews? I I guess a decent percentage of them or some percentage of them would say, yes, I am because of who I am. I mean, we're all racist or we We all have racist tendencies. We all can learn things, you know. I don't know. I just find that whole thing fascinating. Do they think they're better than everybody else? Just like everybody thinks they're inferior.
1: Oh, oh, I don't know uh, if I want to cast aspersions on an entire race. uh, (laughs) If you (laughs) injected them with the truth serum. Right, but as we will see, the Jews, many of them who went to Palestine in the late 1900s and early 20th century, definitely had racist views of the uh, locals, the indigenous Palestinians.
0: Yeah.
1: And the indigenous Palestinians had racist views against the Jews as well. All over. Um, So, yes, I mean, and and when they, if you think you're God's chosen people, That yeah. comes, obviously, with a certain sense of superiority. But at the same time, you think you're not good enough for God because he's let you wow. be oppressed for thousands of that's years. Complex. It's compl- yeah. it's, that's complex. That's why they invented psychiatry <laughs> and comedy, Ray. It's uh, it's complicated being oh, a Jew. Oh, God. Um, yeah. Anyway, getting back to Roosevelt. Yes. like um, He didn't want to upset the Saudis, as we've talked right. about on this show. Um in the, in the early 20th century, like in the 30s, Roosevelt went and met with Ibn Saud and, and did a deal where he was trying to get a leg over the Saudis yes. uh, to get control of their oil. He wanted to he get a foothold yeah. on Middle Eastern oil to compete with Great Britain. Right. Um, so at various times, he would make contradictory commitments to the Jews and the Arabs. On his way back from Yalta, when he met with Ibn Saud, he was surprised to uh, learn the depths of the Arab opposition to a Jewish homeland, to the Balfour Declaration and a Jewish homeland in an Arab country. Right. Uh, th- th- this is something that will come up again and again over the course of uh, these next few episodes, is how no one really seemed to... You know, no one in the West really seemed to get uh, <laughs> that you know the arabs might not like you just carving out a big chunk of their land <laughs> huh. and going uh, well we're going to put some other people right. there thanks like i read uh, i went to newspapers.com and i read a whole ton of of newspapers from november 1917 right. when the balfour declaration was released to the press and not a single article no not a single one i read said yeah maybe we should talk to the arabs uh, who live there about yeah, this, yeah. yeah.
0: You got any comments? <laughs> no. Would you like to, yeah, say anything?
1: Everyone was like, "This is fantastic. That's Good for the Jews." Finally,
0: about time.
1: Uh, Jews are so happy to getting their own land. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> this is great for the Jews. Um, great for a number of reasons. Number one, it means that they won't come to our country anymore because yeah. we'll say, "No, no, got your <laughs> own country. Go over there now." Um, Literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, none of them mention, eh, you know, wonder how the Arabs feel about this. Like, it was just, like, it's like one of the greatest blind spots right. in, in history. No one even thought to ask the question yeah. that I could see in the media. Um, and we'll see, as we get into the details of the Balfour Declaration, we'll see that it, too, didn't even really give them oh, more than a half a second yeah. of thought yeah and'll we'll, and we'll explain the background behind that as well so anyway um, running quickly through my uh, summary here before we get into it on so uh, back to FDR so yeah he was surprised by how much the uh, the Arabs didn't want a Jewish homeland in an <laughs> Arab country um, you know not like I don't think Muslims in general have anything against Jews. Um, you know they they yeah. treated the Jews, you know, roughly equal to how they treated the Christians uh, in the lands that were controlled by the Muslims for whatever thousand twelve thirteen hundred years. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so I don't think the the Arabs had anything in particular against the Jews any more than the Christians did. Um, but it was just, no, you can't just carve out a section right. of, of Arab land yeah. where our people have lived. For how long? For, yeah. 2,000. You know, well, depending on oh, you know, where the. Oh, which people, exactly. Well, the Palestinians that were there came from. And right. Some of them, you know, were immigrants as well, if you go back far enough. But it's been but a minute. Anyway, they it's lived been there. Yeah it's, yeah, it's been a minute. According yeah. to the kids. And also, it's their fucking land. They live there. Like, what gives you the yeah. right to just carve out a big chunk of it? Yeah, who woke up and made you <laughs> king? Oh, the My atomic bomb, League too. of Nations. <laughs> <laughs> this is before the atomic right. bomb. Yeah, but yes. Good point. Um, uh, Ibn Saud actually told Roosevelt when he met him that they should establish a Jewish homeland in Germany. Uh, amends should be made by the criminal, yeah. not by the innocent bystander. This is what I've always felt too. Right after world war 2 the united nations should have taken a big chunk of germany yeah. and said all right, Jews there you go right. you can have that big chunk of germany it's nice it's green rolling it's hills the best we can for, do for you, you know, like yeah there're lots of natural resources exactly. sorry germany yeah. you're done fucked That's up right. uh you just lost half of germany giving that to but you the Jews it. you deserved it yeah. yeah yeah like Jews look you got a choice you got a desert <laughs> Oh, you got Germany? Like fuck, man! Like, don't even need to sleep on that. <laughs> Just, <laughs> well, yeah. we got we got a lot of bad, lot of bad experiences in Germany. Yes, yeah. but where? Honestly, where haven't you had bad experiences? Right, Antarctica. Just, yeah. Like, listen, <laughs> the penguins. I get it. Right, I get yeah, it. I don't know. But uh, you know, you'll get over that in a yeah. generation or two. Don't Turn worry that about it. Turn that frown
0: upside it. down. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll move all the Germans out. You won't have to see it's any Germans. Just be you. Right. I don't think anyone, apart from the Jews, would have complained about that. I think at the end of World War II. No one would have had a right gone, yeah, to complain. Yeah. yeah. Except for the Americans that wanted to rebuild Germany and the British who wanted to rebuild Germany as act as a buffer against the Russians. Because they were like, you know what, uh, we we you know, we don't mind a little bit of fascism. You know, a little bit. Right. It's good. Too much, too much fascism. It's a bit like uh, <laughs> It's. It's a bit you like go too far. It's a bit like chocolate, right? A little bit, <laughs> just a, okay, a nibble. Yeah, you don't to eat too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then you then you need to go to war against it. But a little bit, a little bit of fascism. Very fine people, the Americans <laughs> thought. <It's laughs> some very fine people in those fascists, right? Um, as we've talked about, uh, did we talk about? It? Yeah, we talked about it. All of the, uh, the, the Bush family, the Walker family, mm-hmm. uh, the Fords, big, big supporters of uh, Hitler yeah. uh, and the Nazis. IBM. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. IBM. Capitalists love themselves a little bit of fascism. Yeah. Uh, but a little bit. Don't go too right. far with the fascism. Just enough to keep capitalism working well. You know. Keep your enemies down. Don't
0: embarrass yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. No, Zeke Heiles, yeah. please.
1: Thank you. Well, that's okay. Is it? Sig holes are fine. Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, if you're going to build gas chambers, do it on the DL. Right.
0: right? It's, it's just, my motto. <laughs> you know, we don't, Coffee mug. Yeah. It says that.
1: Yeah, you just embarrassed us. <laughs> we funded you and then you just embarrassed us. Yeah. Uh, what are we going to do? <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, Ibn Saud said they should build a Jewish homeland in Germany. Roosevelt... Uh, reversed his some of the earlier commitments that he had made to the Jews at that stage, promised Ibn Saud that he would, quote, do nothing to assist the Jews against the Arabs and make no move hostile to the Arab people.
0: Doesn't that sound good? I'm going to hear from both sides before I make a decision. Doesn't that sound noble?
1: No, he didn't say that. He said, I'm going to do nothing to assist the Jews right. against oh, the Arabs I, 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 or against yeah. against the Nazis for that point. Because as we've talked about, when uh, the Jews were like, uh, we're all, help, help, we're being killed <laughs> in the gas chambers. Can you take a few million of us to America? Yeah. Roosevelt went, hmm. Yeah. Sorry, we're, we're full. Well, um, yeah. He did he did use,
0: you know, I mean, and again, I'm the one who maybe I should say this, but there's a lot about FDR to admire. And there's a lot of things about him that should not be admired. And I think those get lost just because, you know, he was he was the person that brought us out of the Great Depression, or at least he gets credit for it. So, yeah, he's like you were saying a minute ago, he screams about national security, about letting too many Jews in because some of them are coming from communist countries, some of these immigrants could be spy, and you know what? they might even be involuntarily spied, spying on us because their family's being held by communists so we just can't do it. But the statement I, that I had read was that FDR was telling the king in 1943 that the Jews and Arabs would be heard, he would hear from both of them before a decision is made about Palestine and as you and I have covered so many times this goes back to the Alexander the Great show it doesn't matter what someone says or what they write down or what they promise or whatever, it's what they do so. FDR is saying these very generic, bland statements. He's telling both sides what he wants, to, what they want to hear. But at the same time, he's getting the oil that he needs for the war effort from Saudi Arabia, and he's and he's not tell, he's not doing anything specifically too much to help the Jews. And again, so it's it's one of his um, less than admirable times as president, where he could have did a lot more to uh, lessen the, the Holocaust. But he and like you said, all the other countries in the Western Hemisphere did not.
1: Yeah, the United States accepted only 160,000 European Jews between 1933
0: and 1942. Yeah,
1: makes no sense. You know, millions, six, seven million died, um, and they only took 160,000. Now, uh, yes, I mean, America was still trying to pull itself out of the Great Depression. The war was helping with that. But they were still trying to rebuild... Uh, logistical issues of how do we get them there and remember we talked about this in an earlier episode many years ago Um, Hitler uh, in the 30s was saying to all of these foreign nations if you want the Jews come and get them yeah take them yeah I don't want to have to kill them I will I will I will will kill them but I don't want to have to kill them I'm like I'm 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 a crazy sociopath but come on (laughs) like take (laughs) them take them I don't want them yeah if you want them, you take them. I don't want them, and everyone goes, We don't want them. Well, I, yeah. I don't want them. Well, you got them. They're your problem. No, well, uh, you know that's All why right, it was called you- the fight. why it was called the final <laughs> solution, because he <laughs> right tried man. solutions A, B, C, three <laughs> down to Y, which was and you want them? No, we don't want them. Yeah. Okay, well, um, yeah. yeah. Now there is plenty of evidence that FDR didn't like Jews very much. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, Going way back, in 1923, when he was a member of the Harvard (laughs) Board of Directors... Right. uh, He decided there were too many Jewish students at Harvard and helped push through a quota to limit the number of Jews at Harvard. Come on. In 1938, in private conversations, he suggested that the Jews in Poland were dominating their economy and provoking anti-Semitism there... Right in nineteen in nineteen forty one at I'm, a cabinet meeting. I'm sorry, he I'm said. S- that... W- I'm sorry. J- yeah.
0: Just talk for a yeah. second. The Jews yeah. are doing so well in Poland, they financially whatever. They they are pissing off people and creating anti-Semitic feelings. Yeah. Fuck me. As opposed to those other people need to pull their heads out of their asses and either do better or learn to just. Accept what that other people are going to be more successful, but because they're Jews and outsiders and they're doing better, we have to go smash their windows and bash their heads. And I'm sorry, I just couldn't let that statement go by. They're doing better, and it's their fault that anti-Semitic feelings are up. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. And and,
1: and again, like uh, I'm not pointing the finger at FDR. But, you no, know, right. This was this was mainstream. This was how it was. You know. Yeah. This is this is mainstream views uh, in Christianity Christian countries, uh, for all the reasons I talked about before. In 1941, at a cabinet meeting, he said something about there being too many Jews among federal employees in Oregon. God, um, this may have had something to do with this idea that maybe some of them were you know secret communists, but again, you know, too many Jews. Yeah. Um, in 1943. When did he die? Early 45, 45. so not long before he died. Right. He told uh, some government officials in North Africa that the number of local Jews in various professions should be definitely limited so as to eliminate the specific and understandable complaints which the Germans bore towards the Jews in Germany. God. (laughs) Specific and understandable complaints.
0: yeah. Well, going back to forty one and forty two, the the well, the communists and some of them were Jews were our allies, but never mind. We don't have to worry about that. But oh my God, I mean, it's just it's just there. And again, it's 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 what was. That's how things were at the time.
1: There's also evidence of other private remarks FDR made, where he apparently referred to Jewish refugees as Jewish wailing and sob stuff, <laughs> and uh, said to us. <laughs> and 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 expressed to a senator that he felt right. pretty good about the fact that quote there is no jewish blood in our veins meaning the roosevelts right and once he he talked about a jewish newspaper publisher uh, who was doing something with to avoid tax as a dirty jewish trick oh, God. but again like you know <laughs> the, the, this is just mainstream yeah views uh, around the world in the first half of the 20th century. The most common theme, apparently, of Roosevelt's private statements about Jews were about his perception that they were overcrowding many professions and exercising undue influence. Too many Jews well, doing well yeah. in white-collar professions. Uh, we can't have that.
0: If people let them be uh, farmers a thousand view? years ago, then we wouldn't have you know this issue, but... You they didn't, mm. so these people have to
1: survive the mm. best way they can. So yes, uh that's it was just uh commonplace. Right. Now by by the end of um World War Two, mm-hmm. the British uh still dominated Palestine. Right. They had about two hundred thousand troops at their base at the Suez Canal. Mm-hmm. Um which is sort of, uh, you know, in between Egypt and the, the sort of the Sinai Desert, uh, the southern tip of, of Palestine. Mm-hmm. They had air bases in Iraq, in the Sudan. They had air bases in Palestine at Lida. They had naval bases in Bahrain and, and Haifa, and they had uh, 8,000 troops in the Arab League in Transjordan. Mm. And the British were determined to do nothing that would further upset the Arabs and jeopardise British interests in the area, including the oil that they wanted to get out of Iraq and Iran. Right. Um, so they continued with Neville Chamberlain's policy from back in 1939 of restricting and then halting Jewish immigration. Jeez. But that didn't stop the flow of Holocaust survivors and other Jewish immigrants that were streaming illegally into Palestine right. after the war. Then the, British cracked, down, yeah. the British cracked down Yeah. The British cracked arrested more than two thousand Jews. This is after World War Two, right. pointing out here. They arrested more than two thousand Jews who were trying to get into Palestine illegally. The then the Jewish terrorist organization, Ergun. Retaliated by bombing British military headquarters at the King David right. Hotel in Jerusalem, leaving yeah. nearly 100 people dead. Um, so th- th- these, these, these are complex times. And one of the things we'll see as we get into the nitty-gritty on the background of Zionism is uh, Jews were sh- moving into Palestine illegally for decades before this. Um, right you know during the Ottoman period and then during the British yeah. Mandate period, uh, a lot of illegal immigration into Palestine which you know helped add to the tensions between not only the, the Jews and the Arabs in the area but also the whoever the governing authorities were at the time, the Ottomans and, and then the British. right. Um, anyway, it, it's very, very fucking messy and, and plenty of blame to go around yeah. as I said at the beginning.
0: So if you thought the Holocaust would get you a free pass, you're wrong. (laughs) I mean, come on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You don't want to stay. Um, You don't want to stay where you're at. You can't come to the Western countries and you can't go to Palestine.
1: Yeah. Imagine imagine being one of the Jews that's escaped Nazi Germany, ended up in Palestine, gets arrested by the British. Yes. And they're like... Pulling up a newspaper going, hey, hey <laughs> that's me, you- that's me. Yeah. <laughs> have you heard what just happened? Yeah, yeah, but hey, you know, rules is rules, man, rules is rules. Yeah. <laughs> rules, is rules.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. And, and sorry. Some were killed before, you know, they were their ships were sunk. Uh, it was bad. And these people are just, they were Holocaust survivors who were going to almost make it to Palestine and then not. And so what do the, the vast majority of them of them do? They enter illegally because there is literally nothing else for them to do.
1: They escape Nazi Germany and get killed by the British as they're right. just about to land in Palestine. right? <laughs> uh, then in mid-1946, uh, Truman uh, decided to back a plan that would allow 100,000 European refugees to immigrate to Palestine. But... Mm-hmm. Instead of creating a, a separate Jewish state, the idea was there would be a single state with separate Jewish and Arab provinces Ooh. but Jewish leaders opposed the plan right um, they 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 didn't want to have separate states they wanted to have their own their own thing, or different provinces. They wanted to have their own thing. Truman, um, who, by the way, was as anti-Semitic as the rest of them, uh, devoted a cabinet lunch to discussing this whole Palestine situation in 1946. Atchison and Forrestal were there. They urged him to go forward with the plan. Henry Wallace, the Mm. man who should be king, uh, opposed it. It was before Truman got rid of him. Wallace's, Wallace's diary... Uh, mentions Truman's attitude towards this. He writes, President Truman expressed himself as being very much put out with the Jews. Mm -hmm. He said that Jesus Christ couldn't please them when he was here on earth, so how could anyone expect that I would have any luck? Truman said he had no use for them and didn't care what happened to them. Fuck. This this is in 1946. (laughs)
0: Truman said, <laughs> I don't care. You know what? I don't really fucking care. I mean, don't don't write that down in your diary and then publish it later, but i got to be honest with you. I don't, it's, it's not in me. I just don't care. Uh, just, yeah, just. Fuck off already.
1: God. Oh, the fucking uh, Jews, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> couldn't please them. Uh, <laughs> what do you want to expect me to do? Yeah. He was Jesus! I didn't like him! Yeah, what am I supposed to do? Oh, my God. Wallace, in his diary, says that he reminded Truman, you must remember that it's easy for them to get into quite a state of mind because nearly all the Jews in the country have relatives in Europe and they know that about 5 million out of the 6 million Jews have been killed and that no other people have suffered in this way. Wallace continued, Jim Forrestal had previously undertaken to say that the Poles had suffered more than the Jews, Mm. Forrestal brought up the question of the oil in Saudi Arabia and said if another war came along, we would need the oil in Saudi Arabia. President Truman said he wanted to handle this problem not from the standpoint of bringing in oil, but from the standpoint of what is right. He's got to say that, right? Come on. Sure. Sure. Uh, Privately, in his diary that night, Truman made the statement, the Jews, I find, are very, very selfish.
0: (laughs) And on that note, I mean, what the (laughs) fuck? Anyway.
1: Well, I think that's where we'll leave uh, episode 133, which is just a quick introduction to the uh, background. We're going deep behind the creation of the modern state of Israel. In our next episode, we will go back yeah. to uh the late 19th century in the the uh, the development of the idea of Zionism, just the Zionism being the idea of the the mass return mm-hmm. of Jews from the diaspora uh back to uh, what they called Eretz Israel, the the land of Israel. Mm-hmm. But uh we will do that. Send all of your hate mail to me, Riley at gmail.com. <laughs> As always, uh, bring I will you, treat it seriously. Bring your facts. Bring your facts. But Br- bring your facts. Yes. Yeah, bring your. Don't, Not you your know, emotions. don't come at me with. Yes. eye yeah.
0: An the curtain has descended across the continent. Never ever heard of Paul That's just the way it is, and I can't ever see so that. Soviet bait. military buildup on the island of Cuba. The purpose of these bases can be none other than to provide a nuclear strike capability against the Western Hemisphere. Not to mention a vagina. That's a power play, baby. Don't tell me what to do. Was a good
1: kiss, sir, by the way.